time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. You know, I was thinking about this today, how when you're driving down the road and you're already on the road, why don't you just take your hands off the steering wheel? I mean, you know, you, you, you know, got the hammer down, you're doing 70, maybe 75, down the highway, and you just let go of the steering wheel and just enjoy the ride because, after all, the car will stay on the road, right? It's not going to veer off to the left or the right. It's just going to keep on going. You really don't have to maintain anything. You don't really have to guard your place on the road. You just have to enjoy the ride. Why don't you do that? Because that's not the way cars work. That's not the way driving works. And you know what? It's not the way that truth works either. And the reason for that is because when we don't guard the purity of the truth, then human nature, and with a little satanic influence thrown in, but human nature alone will, like a car out of line, will take the truth off-road to a dirt road. And that's one reason why Jude warned us to contend for the faith earnestly, contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all handed down to the saints. You know, there's a really cool verse in Second Peter that I'm reminded of because, you know, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of churches today kind of augment God's truth with just some truth of their own. And it's almost like the Bible is not enough. God's, the revelation of God in written form that God gave to us is no longer enough. We have to, we have to branch off a little bit. Let's just, let's get off into some other truth here that will make us feel good about ourselves. Help us to understand ourselves. You know what? Everything that you need to know about yourself, you can learn from looking in the mirror of God's Word. You find out your tendencies. You find out your weaknesses. You find out some of your inherent personality traits because you see those in people in Scripture. And to begin to interpret yourself or interpret life primarily through something other than Scripture my friends, that's idolatry. That's nothing more than idolatry. Listen to this verse. This is what Peter said. He said, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So God has given us everything we need to be godly, everything we need to live our lives through his truth it says, because it says, this comes through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. In other words, if you want to get this life experience that God wants you to have, if you want to become more godly, he says, it comes through the true knowledge of him. The true knowledge of him. You know where you're not going to get the true knowledge of him? Through unbiblical teachers and through liberal 
authors, through all these ecumenical folks who, who try to just have all these mystical experiences with God. That's not where you're going to get it. You're going to get it through the teaching, the sound preaching of the Word of God. Now, I, I know some of this stuff may sound basic or redundant to some of you, but you know the old old, frank, old phrase, don't assume anything, because assuming, you know what assuming does to you, right? Well, that's the way it is in the church today. We cannot assume that people understand the Bible. We cannot assume that a church is committed to teaching the scriptures and not teaching some Eastern mysticism or, or human philosophy or power of positive thinking or how to be a better you. Can't assume that anymore. And that's why Jude wrote what he wrote, to contend earnestly for the faith. And the reason for that was because in the early church, I mean, just a generation, not even that, past the resurrection of Jesus. We got false teaching in the church. It's the reason why Paul wrote Galatians. It's the reason why he wrote Colossians. It's one of the reasons why he wrote Philippians. It's the reason why he wrote First and Second Thessalonians. It's the reason why he wrote First and Second Timothy. It's the reason why Jude was written. And it's one of the reasons why Revelation was written. Because in Revelation 2 through 3, Jesus Christ delivers this excoriating rebuke of some of these churches. And one of the reasons he did that was because of the fact they had allowed false teaching to infiltrate the church. You see, false teaching leads to a false image of yourself and of God. If you don't get what God says about you, you don't know you. If you don't get what God says about God and about Jesus and life and relationships, you don't know anything. You're the proverbial blind hog trying to find the acorn there. So there were these false teachers that infiltrated the church both then and now. Some of these people don't even know they're false teachers. Some of them do. Some of them are committed to tearing down the truth, and others are pastors and teachers and authors who have strayed off the path of truth. You see, the reason for this is because anytime you talk about God, I don't care what the subject is, if, if, you're, if you're talking about God and anything related to Him, you're talking about theology. Every Christian, when you... When you begin a sentence with the words, I believe, you're automatically talking theology. So the question is not whether or not you talk theology or whether you believe theology. The question is, what theology do you believe? And how do you reach conclusions on the theology that you have? When you say, for example, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for me to take away my sin. Do you realize how, how much theology is in that statement about the Son of God? about the Messiah, about the fact that he was incarnated, about the fact that he lived a sinless life, about the fact that he died on the cross and became a substitute, a propitiation, an atonement for our sins, about the fact that there must then be a righteous God the Father to accept that payment, a righteous God who delivered his wrath upon Jesus Christ. There's so much theology when you just say, I believe Jesus died on the cross to take away my sins. 
lot of theology there. But see, because theology is the study of God, and doctrine simply refers to a system or teaching about a body of belief, no matter what subject you're talking about, that's that's theology, that's doctrine, okay? Therefore, it has to be a belief that's grounded in the fact of the Word of God. I mean, if you say something like, well, I believe if I hold on to a doorknob long enough, it'll heal me of my disease. Okay, well, that's a nice belief. I believe that I just, if I empty my mind of everything and just not even think about God, just empty my mind, what do you, what, what's that going to do for you? What do you base this belief upon? There's a lot of that going on in the church today. This whole, all this contemplative thought that people are just basically transferring Eastern mysticism into the church and trying to free their minds up. God didn't want you to free your mind up. He wants you to fill your mind up with the Word of God because your mind is corrupt. (laughs) You're not okay. You need help. You're a person who is racked with sin. And though you may have been forgiven of your sin through Jesus Christ, you still have to struggle with sin and with your inherent, errant ways of the ways that your mind normally thinks. Y'all, we don't naturally run to God. We naturally trust ourselves or trust others or trust something else other than the Word of God. That's our natural way. I don't want to be natural. I want to go the unnatural way of my old self and trust the God who I know has my best interests at heart. So we can't just make stuff up like, like, like other disciplines, like math or like science. We can't just make stuff up about God and then base our life on those thoughts because you end up basing your life on a lie or on a deception that has come and crept into your mind, taken over your thoughts about God. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, be like this. Be like, if you say that 2 plus 2 is 73, or that the sun revolves around the earth, even if you believed those things with all of your heart, because we value, you know, sincerity, right? If you believe those things with all your heart, it still doesn't make them true. It doesn't make them true. That's because you, obviously, we know those things are not true. And because you're a thinking person, you know that merely saying something doesn't somehow make it real, right? So it's not about what you believe. It's not about how much you believe something. It's about whether or not what you believe can be based in the truth of God. So believing something doesn't make it true. Does I don't care what you believe. I only care what the Bible says. And are your thoughts and your beliefs calibrated with what Scripture says? I I was at a conference one time where <clears throat> the speaker said, Hey, you're okay. You're okay just, just how you are. Feel good about yourself. I remember thinking, that's not what God's Word says. I'm not okay. I'm not okay at all. You have these speakers that are traveling around today just giving people compliments. I mean, you know, you see it a lot with women and with women's conferences. You know, th- there is such a 
infestation of bad theology and bad thinking in a lot of women's ministries today. You have a lot of these women's ministries where the speaker just wants the girls to think that they're pretty. And if I could just get you to thinking that you're pretty in a world where bullying and and people tell me I'm ugly or I'm fat or, or I'm unattractive. No, you're not. God thinks you're pretty. God thinks you're beautiful. And therefore, if you think that, then you'll be okay in life. You know, the problem with that kind of thinking is that it is nowhere found in the Bible. Nowhere. Nowhere does God tell you that you're pretty. Who cares if you're pretty or not? Well, I know we care if we're pretty, right? Because the world tells us we should care. Because if I can't measure up to that Instagram girl, then I'm nothing. You see, you've bought into worldly thinking when you think that if I can just believe that I'm pretty, I'll be okay about myself. But that's what we're hearing a lot of. Look what, if, if, if the preacher or the teacher or the women's leader tells you as you're a girl that you're pretty and you're okay just as you are, why the heck do you need Jesus for? If you're already pretty, then Jesus is not going to make you prettier. So you don't even need Jesus anymore as long as you think you're pretty. See, your whole universe has just been devolved around you. But but your universe is not you. God says, I want you to get your eyes off yourself and get them on me. And when we look at God, we see that it's not about being pretty or not pretty. It's not about being feeling good about myself. Scripture tells me to feel good about myself. In fact, it tells me the opposite. I need to look at myself as the Bible says that I am. I'm a wretched, lost, blind, damned sinner. When I see that about, and, I, and there, I'm not going to change either. That's why Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can even know it? The Bible tells me in Romans 3, 10 through 12, that I don't seek God. And I'm not going to seek God. Not going to happen. Unless God does something in me. So when I see myself as I am, I'm poor, I'm blind, I'm naked, I'm wretched. It's what Jesus said to the churches in Revelation. So if you don't see yourself like that, you don't have any need for Jesus. So it's not about telling girls they're ugly, you know, but that's not your greatest need. Your greatest need is not to feel good about yourself. Your greatest need is to get yourself calibrated with God and realize that you're a, a sinner who needs salvation. Now, once you realize you're loved by God, it doesn't matter anymore. Okay, so I was born with a big nose or, you know, large feet or I have hair that's curly or whatever. I mean, whatever it is about you you don't like with your self-esteem, that's irrelevant as it relates to your relationship with God. You're already loved by God in spite of the fact that in your heart where it really matters, you are ugly. And you are poor and wretched. See, that's that's the beauty of the gospel, y'all, is that God loves us even though we are very ugly to him. We're repulsive to him. In fact, the Bible tells us in, in Isaiah that all of our righteousness is like filthy minstrel rags before him. Wow. That's Isaiah 64, 6, by the way, in case you're checking. God says, that's how I find you. And yet I turn those filthy rags 
into pure linen of holiness before me because of my son Jesus Christ. So stop with the feeling good about yourself stuff. It's not helping. And it's not helping us know God. It's not helping us feel like we need God. God doesn't love your hair or your nose or your body. He loves you in spite of the fact that you're sinful. Because guess what? One day, you're going to be old and wrinkly. And you're not going to have a pretty body anymore. What's going to happen to your self-esteem then? Are you going to look in the mirror and go, I'm so pretty. That body is going to die and rot in the ground. And worms are going to eat your body. So... I'm not saying don't care about your body, okay? Use deodorant. If you need to put on makeup, put on makeup. You know, groom yourself. It's all good. But don't forget this, that it's not about your appearance, girls. It's about who God says you are in your heart. And, and he takes that heart and he changes it. And, and he doesn't, doesn't love you because you've changed. He loved you before you changed. And only he can cause that change. But see, that's just an example of how some of this thinking is infiltrated uh, the church today. So just believing something doesn't make it true. Here, here's another reason why why sound truth is so important to the church and to our Christian lives today is because sound doctrine re- reflects the character and true nature of God. So the question really is, is, the, is what you want more than anything in this life, do you want to really know God? Because if you really want to know God, then sound doctrine will, will reveal him to you. You'll see him as he is without makeup he didn't need any it's just God you want the raw God get in the Bible his word is truth it's truth about him all truth is his so when we pursue and discover and believe and live out this truth we honor him in this character hey sound doctrine is important because it reveals God secondly sound doctrine is important because Believing something that's untrue about God is idolatry. Now, no, that's not a word we use a lot in the church today. But idolatry was kind of a big deal to God. Kind of still is. When God sent Moses down from Mount Sinai after giving him the Ten Commandments, and they were there having this sex orgy at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and they had fashioned all their gold they had taken from Egypt into this golden calf as a representative of, of the, of the true God when they did that Moses was so angry that he threw down the Ten Commandments and broke them as they had and God destroyed people and Moses melted down that calf and made them drink it because God is a jealous God he does not share his glory with anybody else So we have to be careful about entertaining in our minds subtle or blatant lies about God. How would you even know if it's a subtle lie about God? Well, you know the scripture, that's how. This is essentially, this idolatry is essentially substituting biblical truth about God with our own kind of truth. The, the other reasons I mentioned before we should allow Scripture to inform and influence our minds is because our thinking is inherently limited and flawed. Guys, I don't know God on my own. I can't come to a knowledge of who He is specifically by myself or through self-discovery. No, it has to come through the Word. It has to come through the Word of God because that's His revelation to us, right? And lastly, sound doctrine shields us against Satan's deceptive lies and half-truths. 
the more we know and personally engage God, the more we protected our minds will be in the midst of this spiritual warfare. It prevents us from being deceived by the devil's many deceptive schemes. That's why when you're a student of the Bible, then God's thoughts, watch this now, God's thoughts over time become embedded in your thinking. Scripture then acts like this truth filtering system when thoughts come into your mind. It filters through the Word of God and all the bad stuff stays out and the good stuff gets through just like it is in your home, like your air conditioning filter. It, It filters out the dust and the hair and everything else so that you can have more pure air come through. This kind of discernment is further developed and sharpened by walking with God in your life. You see, without that filter, I'm left to myself, and so are you. Years ago, I was a youth pastor in Mobile, Alabama, and one of the things we did a couple times, we rented out the USS Alabama, which is the the, World War II battleship that's um, in Mobile Bay, and we... um, it's the largest tourist attraction in the state of Alabama, okay? It's, it's a pretty big deal, and it's, it's really awesome to, be, to go on to be a part of. But we rent this thing out, and we would, um, you know, ha- have our students get on, the, on board. You know, I don't know. We'd take 100 students or whatever. We'd come on board, and we would have, like, a fun time just exploring the ship, and we'd play some games and have some competition and stuff. And then afterwards, I'd maybe talk, do a talk on spiritual warfare, that kind of thing. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, but during one of our visits, so one of the times we rented out the place, we had this, one of our girls began complaining of, of being seasick. So I asked her, I said, well, what's, what's going on? She said, it's all the rocking back and forth of this big ship. I don't know how much more I can take. I think I'm going to throw up. So I kind of chuckled inside and, and I, I looked at her and I said, look, I said, here's the deal. The Alabama is 42,000 tons of steel. It's not rocking back and forth as you think it is in your mind. In fact, the whole ship's hull is securely resting on the bottom of a mobile bay, permanently anchored in concrete. The ship is not rocking back and forth. It's all in your mind. You see, when we believe the Bible is an immovable bedrock of truth that's anchored in God himself, you know what happens? Our senses, when our senses tell us that that the truth is rocking back and forth and I should believe this or believe that or I have this feeling of this emotion or whatever, God's word reminds us that his truth is solid. We have to believe what is true about God, not believe what we feel is true about God or about ourselves. But hey, I, I get it. Feelings are strong. Emotions are powerful. You know why? Because you've been raised on them. You've lived your whole life by your feelings and by your own thoughts. You're broken. That's why I'm broken. That's why we need to wean ourselves off of our feelings and our thoughts onto what God says is the truth about us. So even when when we have these thoughts about life and stuff, we have to make sure that we go, what does the Bible say, right? Listen to what Martin Luther said. He says, feelings come and go, and feelings are deceiving. But he said, my warrant is the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. Through all my heart, though all my heart should feel condemned for lack of some sweet token, this, there is one greater than my love whose word cannot be broken. 
I'll trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body sever. For though all things will pass away, his word will stand forever. Rest assured, despite what culture or popular thinking or Christian authors or, or speakers may say, God's truth does not change. His word remains the same. So ask, what does the Bible say? Not does it make me feel good or happy or accepted by others. No, evaluate truth through the scripture. And trace your own beliefs back to it. That's your true north. That's your compass. And that'll keep you solid when the world's shaking back and forth. Hey, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.